to the Double Double. My name is David Dixon, and it's Sunday, June 20th here in New York City. Hope everyone is doing well. And a happy Father's Day to everyone celebrating and a belated Juneteenth. This morning is coming off a monumental night in the NBA. A thrilling Game 7 last night at the Barclays Center between the Bucks and the Nets, which has ramifications not just for this season, but potentially the next two or three seasons as well. We're going to get into that game last night, as well as the two games today. Game 1, Western Conference Finals, Clippers versus the Suns, as well as Game 7, Sixers-Hawks. The Nets-Bucks game, we got to start with. Epic, epic Game 7, overtime, back-and-forth battle. It was a high-stress environment. If you were a Bucks fan, Nets fan, neutral, it was just an incredible basketball game to, to cap off what has been a, a really, really good series, a really entertaining series between two of the heavyweights of, of the NBA. The Bucks come out on top. They win the series. They take Game 7, 115 to 111. This game... Besides just being just an epic duel between two great teams, the the individual performances in this game were were extraordinary as well. And, and you know we're going to start with Giannis, just you know because the the Bucks won. Giannis, forty points, thirteen rebounds, five assists, an epic, awesome, when it mattered the most performance by the two time MVP. Played fifty minutes. Now, I want to take you guys back to last season in the bubble two years ago when they when the Bucks lost to Toronto. Coach Budenholzer, the Bucks coach, is like everyone's favorite guy to to critique on Twitter because so many seemingly adjustments that, that you would make at home or in video games seemed like he wasn't making of last year in the bubble in particular. Not playing his superstar players seemingly enough minutes in the playoffs when, when they needed them the most. There was no issues with that last night or in the series. Last night in Game 7, Chris Middleton, 52 minutes. Giannis, 50 minutes. Holiday, 48 minutes. Lopez, 46 minutes. Tucker, 38 minutes. He would have played more if it wasn't for his foul trouble. Just a performance by the by the coaching staff adjusting and getting their best guys on the court. And there were times where Giannis looked absolutely gassed. Absolutely gassed throughout the game. But did he show up in a big, big fashion? Mentioned 40 points. A couple of the biggest possessions of the game of the season. In game five, famously, and just critiqued relentlessly that, that next day and the day after. Took that fadeaway jump shot over James Harden in, in, in the low post. Last night, down to overtime. Got the ball in the same spot, low, mid-post area, and went right at Kevin Durant, went right through him, right to the middle for a little jump hook, knocked it down. That was just, when you talk about the growth of one of these top, top players of trusting themselves and understanding their advantages and, and saying, hey, I, I may make or miss, I'm getting to my shot and I have an advantage over you and I know I know I'm going to get there. I'm not afraid of getting fouled. If you foul me, I'm going to go to the free throw line. 
but I'm going to get to my spot and, and I'm going to knock it down. And and that's what Giannis did. It was it was a great move, a great performance. Struggling from the free throw line early. Looked like he changed his routine a little bit in the second half, started knocking them down. Obviously, the two air balls were not ideal. The second one looked just more like fatigue. He looked absolutely gassed when he got to the free throw line and had that second air ball, but he knocked down the second one. He ended the game 8 for 14 from the free throw line, shot the ball a lot better from there, and he was he was the two-time MVP. He went toe-to-toe with Kevin Durant and and emerged victorious. He got he got help. Chris Middleton hit the go-ahead shot in overtime, a beautiful Drive, spin move back left, little fadeaway in the middle of the paint for a mid-range jumper to go 113-111. Middleton was was strong all game after being a brutal first half. He was strong in the second half and over time. Drew Holiday is like a roller coaster in this series and especially this game. He may have started two for 17, maybe even two for 18. He hit one of the biggest no, 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 yes shots. In recent NBA playoff history, where in the fourth quarter, he had an ISO. I believe Joe Harris was guarding him. Someone was coming up to set a screen for him, and he kind of went into that between the legs, sidestep three, a shot he had not just been missing all game, but missing all series and missing badly. He knocks it down. Next possession or possession after, another sidestep, mid-range two, swishes it. Holiday huge in the fourth quarter at the end of the game when it went mad the most in they traded Eric Bledsoe last year and two years ago Eric Bledsoe was their point guard a good player but with but with some big flaws especially in the postseason with his lack of shooting around someone like Giannis they trade a lot for Drew Holiday they traded a lot for him for his two-way versatility another attacker another creator with the ball in his hands and he he was not living up to to what they needed from him throughout this series. He was he was struggling offensively. Obviously Kevin Durant's a really tough matchup, but he just he wasn't giving them enough on offense, taking really bad shots, ISO heavy, not moving the ball. The Bucks he he bailed them out. He he bailed them out in the fourth quarter with with made jumpers when when it mattered the most. It was he's he's a roller coaster in, in he was a roller coaster in this series, especially in game seven, but that's sometimes what what matters in these games. It's it's a it's a make or miss league. Everyone says it, and 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 when it mattered the most, and then the absolute most peak time, he he knocked down those shots. And the role players in game sevens and in playoff series always, always, always matter. Want to shout out Brooke Lopez was phenomenal in this game. We talked about going into the series, huge size advantage could really impact the game with this size on the offensive glass. Five offensive rebounds tonight. He did a good job defensively, not fouling. He was put in a lot of really, really tough situations where Bruce Brown, the guy who would guard, would come up and set a screen for Kevin Durant, who would kind of get a little bit of a runway into the three-point line or the mid-range with someone trailing so he could really attack Lopez. A real, almost an impossible defensive assignment with Durant coming right at you. He did an admirable job with that. He shot the ball great from three. He was three for four. 
made the two big free throws at the end and the weird, you know, called a foul. There's three tenths of a second. Harden was gone, but he needed to make those to, to seal it. He did. Good job inside, tipping, tipping in, and then obviously two huge, huge, huge blocks. One at the end of the fourth quarter on a Durant dunk attempt. Another one in overtime on a Durant layup attempt. Just outstanding performance by him. The, the key to their defense, one of the best rim protectors in the NBA. Depending on who wins tonight, he could have he could be in line for another big crucial series next round. And PJ Tucker battled with Durant all game. He fouled out, but that's an impossible assignment. And and, and he hit his corner threes tonight. He he knocked them down. He was three for five. Connaughton, three for five off the bench. The only bench player in this game to attempt a shot, not just to score, but the only guy off the bench to attempt a shot. Those three guys, Lopez, Tucker, Connaughton, nine threes. Efficient. Efficient. They were nine for 14. That is the difference in this in in, in these games and, and, and in the series. We talked about game one for Brooklyn, Blake Griffin, Mike James, Jeff Green, Shamit. When those guys are knocking down threes like that, they're really tough to beat. And when the Bucks get that that performance from, from their role, guys, they are tough to beat as well. Just a great game, a great series. The Bucks defense battled all series in their offense when it needed the most. Giannis, Holiday, and Middleton came through the big three. They still had a couple classic, seemingly bonehead type plays with like the big shot clock violation when they went to Lopez in the corner and he seemingly forgot what how much time was left. Couple weak out of bounds plays towards the end of the game, or just poor execution or great defense from Brooklyn, depending on your your view of it. But the Bucks deserve to win this series. They deserve to be moving on. The better team won this series, and it's they are now the Las Vegas favorites to to win the championship. It would be amazing, amazing if Giannis Antetokounmpo, two time MVP. Huge holes in his game. So much room to get better. So much opportunity with his jump shot, free throws, low post scoring. If if he wins the championship this year and everyone around the league is, is looking around saying, wait, he just won the championship. He already has two MVPs and he still has so much room to get better and the way that he works, he will get better. That is a scary, scary thought for the rest of the NBA. Flipping over to the Brooklyn side of things. Kevin Durant, magical, magical, epic performance again. 48 points, efficiently 17 for 36 from the field, 9 rebounds, 6 assists. He came a half a shoe size away from ending the Bucks season at the end of regulation. Just an unbelievable shot over Drew Holiday with his foot, sadly for the Nets, on the line. Both his toes on the line. He... There, there are only so many words and ways to describe Kevin Durant, but just what he has done this postseason, in this series, coming off an Achilles tear, coming off being hurt this season, not playing many games, playing the type of minutes he has in this series, been forced to with the injury to Harden, the injury to Durant, or sorry, the, the injury to Harden, the, the injury to Irving. He was, he was truly, truly special, and reminded everyone that he is one of the two, or if not the best player in in the world currently. He is 
he is an all-time, all-time, all-time great. And it wasn't until the last couple possessions after after being you know on the court 52, 53 minutes where with Harden on one leg, essentially, he's doing everything on offense. He took 36 shots. Next closest, Harden at 17 was, you could just see he, the, the minutes finally caught up to him. And if you're Steve Nash, you got to be thinking to yourself, should should I have trusted my bench a little bit more? Should, should I have trusted Mike James for two or three possessions? Should I have trusted Jeff Green a little more? Should I have trusted Shamit a little more? That was one of the interesting things Coach Bud did in this game was early in the game, he recognized when the TV timeouts were, and he bought Giannis a minute of rest here. He bought Middleton a minute of rest there, Lopez, to get those guys out for one or two just like one or two trips up the court, getting a whistle, and then they can get the big media timeout or knew there'd be some type of whistle, getting them back in quickly. Really using those media timeouts well was was a great strategy by Milwaukee and, and their coaching staff. Would it be interesting to see if the Nets had done something like that? Because, you know, you, it probably wasn't the difference in the game, but you never know if in overtime, if, if that extra minute on the bench and rest... Um, how much that affected fatigue on the Milwaukee side versus the the Brooklyn side. James Harden, 22 points, 10 for 10 for the free throw line, one basically one hamstring again. T- said t- said after the game was a great two, sprain, strain, pull. You know, a valiant effort from him. Not not the standard of James Harden. You could see how disappointed he was after the game. Naturally, how close he he must have felt like joining this team in the season via trade to winning his first championship. Um, he he was not the same player tonight as he was the entire season. Naturally, he, he was injured. But Harden, of the three, of the big three for Brooklyn, he's been the most durable in his career. So it was a bummer and a shame that that he was the one who, who got injured in this series. But going forward, it'll be really interesting to see what happens with Harden and this team because Irving is in and out of the lineup with injuries this year. He had those weird times where it seemed like he was just taking some, some personal time away from the team. More crucially for Kyrie Irving is that he's battled a lot of injuries in his career. He's, he's, he's very rarely has played close to all 82, especially recently. He's, he's had some tough injury luck. Kevin Durant, 32 years old, coming off the Achilles. He battled injuries this year. He's getting to that age where injuries may be more of a factor. A lot will come down in the future for James Harden. And will he be the baller who was awesome this year in the regular season with Brooklyn playing every game historically with the Rockets? Because he when, when, when he's professional and shows up, he is, he is special. He is a special, special player. Or as we saw early in this season when he wanted out of Houston, flouting COVID rules, coming in very out of shape, not playing hard. It'll be interesting to see who Harden is going forward and what happens with, with this Nets team. Because he, he is a baller. He is a true, true baller. Um, but it will, it'll be interesting to see which which James Harden shows up next year. And there there may be a time next year, just like this year, where he's he's the only one out there for the Nets, whether it's an injury to Durant, an injury to Irving. This this Nets team is is not a shoe in for championships. 
because of the age of their superstars, the injury histories. They're not a team that you can write in pencils to just make the finals next year the way you could with those Warriors teams or the LeBron Cavs or Miami teams. This team is way over the cap, $45 million over the cap with Dinwiddie declining his option today. Not only are they 45 over the cap, Durant, Harden, and Irving are all eligible for extensions to put them further over the salary cap. Joe Harris is making $17 million. John Jordan, who didn't play this postseason basically at all, he's making $9 million. This Nets team has some tough decisions to make. Blake Griffin, I would like to see back due to a little salary cap quirk with his buyout with Detroit. He's still making $30 million next year from Detroit. So Griffin could sign for the minimum if he chooses to, or he go make more money somewhere else. But if they could bring back Griffin, he was great this series. But Bruce Brown, restricted free agent. Some team may overpay Bruce Brown because they know that the Nets, it may be tough for them to re-sign him. Who else can the Nets get in the offseason? Veterans who are trying to chase a ring, trying to join a championship contender. It'll be interesting to see. They'll definitely be in play for the buyouts again next year, but not a lot of cap flexibility, not a lot of trade flexibility. But obviously, Kevin Durant, James Harden, Kyrie Irving, if they are healthy, are a championship roster, championship team. But the question is, will they be healthy enough to get there? But overall, just a tremendous series. So happy that we got to watch it, experience it. It was it was a real reminder that the NBA is back. This is this is what we love about the NBA. And we have another Game 7 today. Game 7 tonight, Sixers-Hawks. What a series in this one! Just a weird, weird series. You know, I was joking around with a with a with a with my brother the other day that the Sixers are really up five one in this series instead of being three three with with just the leads that they've blown in Game Four and Game Five. That uh, this series is over. That the the Sixers are getting ready to win the series six to one. The Sixers are the favorites in this game. Atlanta has nothing to lose. Atlanta's playing with house money. They're going to go out there extremely confident, expect Trey Young to be ready for this moment, expect their role players to not necessarily feel all the immense pressure. You know Lou Williams won't feel the pressure. He's been in a lot of big games before. Their coaching staff, they can coach freely. Maybe they'll go with the hack of Simmons strategy early on because Simmons uh, – he was two for four from the free throw line in, in game six, but that could be something get in his head. The, 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 all the pressure is on Philly. All of the pressure is on Philly. Atlanta has no pressure. They're not supposed to be here in, in, in this stage of, of, of the playoffs. They're not supposed to be this close against Philly. All the pressure is on them. All the pressure is on Philly. All the pressure is on Doc Rivers. It'll be... Interesting to see how Philly comes out early of, are they a little tight? Are they a little tense, tentative? Are they just playing through Embiid? Does Embiid look tired early? How's Harris playing? Harris is the X factor. He's he, he's the X factor on this team because if he if he plays, if he has an above average game for himself or to his level, they're going to be tough to beat. But if he has a stinker the way that he did in game five, man, oh man. Atlanta has a great, great chance to, to steal this game. Watch for the whistle. Watch how this game is getting called. Game six in Atlanta, Joel Embiid only took four free throws. Only four free throws. 
He was averaging before that like 14 or 15 attempts per game. This game is in Philly. Watch how the whistle is being called early. Last, you know, last thing about Bucks Nets, those refs were awful. They were terrible both sides, sometimes letting you know wrestling go, and then other times calling ticky tack, touch fouls on the perimeter. Just no consistency, no nothing. Both coaches were irate at different points, just crazy bad calls on both sides. Just you hate to, you know, you hate you wish the game was just decided by the players, but the refs have a factor, how they call the game, what they call how aggressive they 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 let the action go because Embiid should get at least twelve free throw attempts today, at least twelve, and if he's up to six, seventeen or eighteen, Philly has a great chance to win because Atlanta not too much depth on the interior and, and they're going to have to find ways to to deal with Embiid. But I'm excited. It sh- it should be a great game seven, one of the biggest games of Trey Young's life so far. He'll be ready to go. The way the way that he plays, the confidence that that he has, I wouldn't be surprised if he has you know a twenty eight and 10, 20, you know thirty four and, and twelve type type game again. Bogdan Bogdanovich, he's he's he, I think he'll shoot the ball a little bit better for him. They're they're going to need him. Uh but I'm excited. This is a big game for Philly because if they don't win this game. Then all the talk comes out again about Embiid and Simmons. Do they not work? What about the coaching staff? How do we improve this roster? So they have trade for James Harden. They were never going to get James Harden, people. The, the Daryl Morey left Houston to go to Philly. The Rockets, G, the Rockets owner wasn't going to trade their best player to the guy who just left their franchise. It was. It is going to be a big, big game for Philly. All the pressure's on them. All the pressure's on them. Atlanta, house money. I think Philly wins. They are the best player. They're at home, but... As proven last night, in Game 7, just one game, anything can happen. Other game today, quickly, Clippers, Suns. Clippers, tip of the cap to you guys. I thought this, I thought it was over when Kawhi Leonard was out. I did not think that the Clippers had any chance to win, to win that series against Utah. They were, Paul George, they were exceptional. Terrence Mann, game of his life, Game 6, 39 points. They beat the best team record-wise in the NBA in the Jazz on the road, um, sorry, not on the road, at, at home in, in Game 6. They won Game 5 on the road. Just an incredible performance by the Clippers. Coach Lou is just doing a great, great job with them. Their small lineup is causing all bunch of issue, all, a whole lot of issues for so many teams. No Chris Paul for the Suns. He's health and safety protocols. He's out indefinitely. Kawhi Leonard did not travel with the team. He's out indefinitely. Though the flight from LA to Phoenix isn't that long. If he, you know, could play, he'll fly private. He'll be there, but he's definitely out for game one. This Clippers small lineup, maybe they start big to match up with Aiden because it's really just one big, or, or maybe they, they go small. I think Phoenix wins today. The Clippers, again, need their backs against the wall. Maybe they still feel like their backs are against the wall with, with Kawhi being out, but this is going to be a five at, at least a six game series but hopefully goes seven i am just interested and curious to see how phoenix plays without chris paul because they played with him with him banged up in the lakers series but how but how do they play without him does cameron Payne play more booker how much more usage does he have on, on offense how do the shooters uh work because chris paul is such such a big part of this team that It'll be really interesting to see how Phoenix handles his his absence, but 
Game ones, the rule is don't overreact to anything that you see. Both teams feeling each other out. Then they'll start making adjustments game two, game three, game four. Don't overreact to game ones, but obviously game ones are very important because you have to get to four and you win the first one. You only have to go, you only need three more. Just don't overreact. Let's see how both teams do. I would expect, you know, maybe Coach Lou won't go small to start, but that's just, hey, that that's the card he could play at any point in the series. He could go to that lineup and, and, and it will be a, a very good thing for the Clippers. But I'm excited for another good day of basketball. Congratulations to the Bucks again. Massive, massive win. Just a just an epic performance, and uh, can't wait to see what happens tonight in Game Seven and then Game One. So that'll do it for this episode of the Double Double. If you like this podcast, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, or rate your podcast. You can subscribe, rate, and review. Five stars would be much much appreciated. You can also follow us on Twitter at dbl underscore dbl podcast. We'll be back tomorrow. Take care and make it a great day.